I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings, and welcome to Thoughts from the Hairy Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode six of Thoughts from the Hairy Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to tell you about a governor who is either ignorant or a liar. Montana Governor Steve Bullock doesn't understand the law and the constitutional relationship between his state and the federal government, or else he's a liar. On Friday, Bullock vetoed a bill that would have prohibited state and local agencies in Montana from enforcing any future federal gun laws. In his veto message, Governor Bullock claimed he will, quote, fiercely defend the Second Amendment rights of our citizens, unquote. Really? I have a funny feeling the governor doesn't exactly get the Second Amendment. Constitutionally, the federal government has no authority whatsoever to regulate firearms. None. Even without the Second Amendment, the feds wouldn't have the authority to regulate guns within the borders of a state. The Constitution does not delegate this power to the federal government. Therefore, it remains with the states and the people. But the Second Amendment further limits federal power when it comes to firearms. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The definition of infringed is to act so as to limit or undermine something, to encroach on. Simply put, the federal government may not constitutionally act in a way that limits the right to keep and bear arms. At all. Period not even when exercising a legitimately delegated power, such as regulating commerce between the states. The Second Amendment supersedes the Commerce Clause. The federal government has no authority to limit, regulate, or deal with firearms at all. So Representative Art Wittich sponsored HB 203 in the Montana House. The bill banned the state from enforcing, assisting in the enforcement of, or otherwise cooperating in the enforcement of a federal act that is enacted on or after January 1st, 2015, that prohibits, restricts, or requires individual licensure for ownership, possession, transfer, or use of any firearm or any magazine or other ammunition feeding device. This legislation would have actually done what Governor Bullock said he wants to do, 
protect Montanans' right to keep and bear arms by making it difficult, if not impossible, for the feds to enforce future unconstitutional firearms regulations. It wouldn't have blocked federal enforcement. It would simply have made the feds do it themselves without any state help. Of course, the dirty little secret is the feds lack the resources to do it themselves. That's what makes bills like this so powerful and effective. But Bullock, Montana's champion of the Second Amendment, vetoed the bill, saying it, quote, puts law enforcement officers in the position of violating laws they have sworn to uphold, end quote. To put it bluntly, Bullock is full of crap. The bill does no such thing. The governor vetoed a similar bill in 2013, and he gave that exact same reason. He was wrong then, and he's wrong now. HB 203 would not create some kind of moral dilemma for Montana cops. In fact, Bullock makes an absolutely absurd assertion when he claims the bill would put law enforcement officers in a position of, quote, violating laws, unquote. I mean, really, how does leaving the enforcement of federal statutes to federal law enforcement violate any law? Bullock pretends Montana operates under some kind of sacred obligation to enforce every federal law and edict that comes down the pike from Washington, D.C. It does not. Nothing says states must enforce federal laws. Nothing. Nowhere. In fact, the Supreme Court has consistently held the exact opposite under a well-established legal principle known as the anti-commandeering doctrine. Bullock must know this. Heck, virtually everybody involved in the political or legal process knows this. We pointed this fact out to him two years ago. Since then, legislators from across the political spectrum have introduced hundreds of bills based on the anti-commandeering doctrine. From measures to prohibit state cooperation with federal immigration enforcement to bills that would end state support for implementation of Obamacare. Last year, Idaho Governor Butch Otter signed a bill almost identical to HB 203 into law. Nobody of any significance questions the legal basis for this type of legislation. It stands as settled law. As noted constitutional scholar Randy Barnett put it, quote, state governments are free to refrain from cooperating with federal authorities if they so choose. In general, states cannot attack federal operations, but that's not the same as refusing to help, end quote. This legal principle dates all the way back to 1842. Justice Joseph Story held in Prigg versus Pennsylvania that the federal government could not require states to enforce the Federal Fugitive Slave Act. This is what Story wrote. Quote, the fundamental principle applicable to all cases of this sort would seem to be that where the end is required, the means are given, and where the duty is enjoined, the ability to perform it is contemplated to exist on the part of the functionaries to whom it is entrusted. The Fugitive Slave Clause is found in the national constitution and not in that of any state. It does not point out any state functionaries or any state action to carry its provisions into effect. The states cannot, therefore, be compelled to enforce them. 
and it might well be deemed an unconstitutional exercise of the power of interpretation to insist that the states are bound to provide means to carry into effect the duties of the national government nowhere delegated or entrusted to them by the Constitution. End quote. Three major SCOTUS decisions built on Story's doctrine. In New York versus United States in 1992, the court ruled that Congress couldn't require states to enact specified waste disposal regulations. In Prince versus the United States in 1997, the court ruled that the federal government could not command state law enforcement authorities to conduct background checks under the Brady Gun Bill on prospective handgun purchasers. Justice Scalia summed up the anti-commandeering doctrine in that majority opinion. Quote, the federal government may neither issue directives requiring the states to address particular problems, nor command the state's officers or those of their political subdivisions to administer or enforce a federal regulatory program. It matters not whether policymaking is involved, and no case-by-case -case weighing of the burdens or benefits is necessary. Such commands are fundamentally incompatible with our constitutional system of dual sovereignty. And in the 2012 case, National Federation of Independent Business versus Sibelius, the Supreme Court ruled that a significant expansion of Medicaid was not a valid exercise of Congress's spending power as it would coerce states to either accept the expansion or risk losing existing Medicaid funding. Nobody with a clue questions the anti-commandeering doctrine. So either Bullock doesn't have a clue or he's lying because he has an anti-gun political agenda. He doesn't want to have to explain that to Montana voters, and he hopes the average person won't know he's making up stuff that contradicts 173 years of Supreme Court jurisprudence. I'll let you decide which is the case. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. I really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.meharry at 10th Amendment That's michael.m-a-h-a-r-r-e-y at 10th Amendment Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.